title of my message is The Circumcised Life. We're going to be looking at uh, circumcision, but uh, actually circumcision isn't the key part of uh, chapter 17. Uh, The key part is the promises of God. And circumcision happens to be sandwiched between promises that God has made to Abram Abram and to Sarai. He's going to change their names, but uh, he's going to tell them what he is going to do through them. And as a result of that, uh, Abraham, his name is going to be changed to Abraham. I'm getting ahead of myself, but... uh, God is going to birth the nation of Israel. This is uh, in chapter 17. This is the birthday. This is the birth date of the nation of Israel when Abraham and all of his household, um, the males in his household, are circumcised. So uh, Genesis chapter 17, we're going to go through this. Uh, there's four pat- parts to Genesis chapter 17. In verses 1 through 8, we'll see an introduction and the covenant promise that God makes to Abraham. Verses 9 through 14, we'll see uh, the command that uh, Abraham and his household is to be circumcised. Verses uh, 15 through 22, we will see the promise that uh, God makes to Sarah that uh, Sarah is going to be the the mother of uh, many nations and kings will come from her and then verses 23 through 27 is Abraham's act of obedience as he and his household are circumcised so in verses 1 through 8 let's begin there and I want to read those first eight verses When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, My covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into Nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, For an everlasting possession, I will be their God. So there's a lot going on in these first uh, eight verses. Uh, God is revealing more of his nature to Abram, Abram, who's now going to become Abraham. I'm just going to refer to him as Abraham now. 
so I'm not confused. <laughs> I've asked uh, Sybil to pray for me during this message this morning that I not sound confusing, conf- confused and confusing, but clear like I am right now. But uh, God is revealing a new name. God's new name in the Hebrew is El Shaddai, God Almighty. And what he's saying through this name, God Almighty, that is that he is God who is sufficient. He is all-sufficient. He is all-competent. God knows what he's doing. God knows how to do it. Okay? He is El Shaddai. And so, you know, the Bible says in verse 1, Abram is 99 years old, okay? So from chapter 16 to chapter 17, there's been 13 years. 13 long years. You know, we saw last week in chapter 16 that Abram and Sarai tried to figure things out on their own and tried to help God's, God out, God ahead of God. And you know what? All chaos broke loose and we are still suffering the consequences of those decisions of that decision this couple made in genesis chapter 16 it has not been 13 glorious years sarah and hagar haven't made up sarah has still been reminded of her barrenness all of these years. She's been watching this child, Ishmael, who is a rebellious child. She's been watching him, and he's been nothing but a thorn in her flesh for 13 years. So I I don't know what the marriage relationship has been between Abraham and and Sarah, but I'm sure it hasn't been good. But now Abraham is 99 years old. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I am El Shaddai. And Abraham, I haven't given up on you. And I am about to give you a new name. And so when God appears, all Abraham can do is fall on his face. He is in the presence of God Almighty. And Abraham says two things. He says, walk before me and be blameless I am God almighty walk before me and be blameless walk before me Abraham so that you might live in order that you might be perfect In other words, what God is saying is so that you might be able to enjoy 
the blessings and the favor that I am about to give to you. That's what that word blameless means. It means wholeness. It means completeness. It means without fault. That's a tall order to fill. And my friend, we can't do it in the flesh. And Abraham up to this point has been trying to do it in the flesh. And it turned out to be a mess of things in chapter 16. But God is saying, Abraham... Walk before me and be blameless. Walking before God requires trusting. It requires living under the supervision of the shepherd. You know, we would much rather prefer God walk before us. We see, we see the shepherd. We follow in his steps. But what God Almighty is saying is, Abraham, you walk before me. You live that life of faith. You trust me. And in walking before me, it's going to take an act of maturity. It's going to take an act of sensitivity on our our part to know what God would have us to do in our lives. We need to know his word. We can't be behaving like a toddler. Have you ever tried, have you ever watched toddlers walk before their parents? You know, I've got two grandchildren right now who are toddlers, and I am enjoying watching the relationship. Because when toddlers walk before their parents, they just take off. You know, and they don't know where they're going, they just want to see, go whatever's before them. And uh, I'm glad that uh, God gave uh, toddlers to young people and not old grandparents because I don't have the energy to keep up with them. And you know what I'm talking about. God doesn't want us to be a toddler. God wants us to be mature in being sensitive to the Spirit of God in our life. And so that means we need to know what the Word of God says that the Word of God might be guiding our path as we walk before Him in a way that is blameless so that God might bless us uh, with favor because we are doing His will. And so this was God's requirement to Abraham to walk before Him and to be blameless and then in verses 3 through 8 we see God giving Abram a new name Abraham now up to this point uh, Abram the name Abram meant exalted father but it really when it was descriptive the meaning exalted father It didn't have anything to do with uh, spirituality. Understand that when Abram was born, uh, he was born into paganism. His father, Terah, uh, was an idol worshiper. And so what this means is that uh, Father Exalted, uh, that was his name, Abram, it was really referring to Terah and his distinguished lineage. And so God is changing 
Abram's name to Abraham, and it's going to mean the father of a multitude. Okay, now God's already promised that to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, but this promise is is now growing. It's expanding. Not only is Abraham going to be the father of a great nation, Abraham is going to be the father of a multitude of nations, and kings will come from you. And kings begin to come from the lineage, the descendants of Abraham, a thousand years later. And then 2,000 years later, the king of king is going to come in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what this Sunday is all about, Palm Sunday, as the king rides on the colt of a donkey into the city of Jerusalem, fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It's this king of kings who is going to be able to bless not only uh, the Jewish people, but all the nations of the earth who believe in the God of Abraham. And so God is fulfilling this promise even unto today. But here Abraham's name is changed, and this promise has 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 expanded um, humongously. And the only person who can do it is El Shaddai. Man can't do this. Man has tried in chapter 16, and it's made a mess of things ever since. But when the people of God believe God and his promises, God can do amazing things. And so here we see in these first few verses, Abraham's name has been changed. Can you imagine the faith and obedience that's required on Abraham's part to go around to his household you know, people he knows and say, okay, guys, God has changed my name from Abram to Abraham. I'm to be the father of a multitude. And he's only got one heir so far, Ishmael. And he's a rebellious child. Can you imagine the looks that would have been on people's faces, the sneers, the comments that would have been made behind his back? knowing that he was his name has been changed to Abraham. But that's what's happening in Abraham's life right now. And it is God who's going to do this through Abraham. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, But your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of of a multitude of nations. God sees it all in advance. God sees 
the whole future. God Almighty El Shaddai sees, knows how it is all going to be played out. And he's telling Abraham, Abraham, I want you to trust me. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will do the following things. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will establish my covenant with you. Verse 8, I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings. I will be not only your God, Abraham, but I'm going to be their God. God to be their God, there has to be obedience and faithfulness and trust on Abraham's part. And Abraham believes. And then we come to verses 9 through 14. And God tells Abraham to do something that's going to be very difficult as a 99-year-old man. Verse 9, And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you, throughout their generations. And this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, Both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. There's there's so much to, to be said here, and I'm not going to be able to cover it all. But um, God is commanding Abraham and his people to be circumcised. This is going to be known as the Abrahamic covenant. And this covenant is going to symbolize the spiritual commitment that Abraham and others have made to God that one's life is to be in God, believing His promises. This, this, um, uh, this rite of circumcision is to be an outward sign of the of the of the promise that they have believed from God. It does not save them. And we looked at this a few weeks ago in Genesis chapter 15. Abraham was made righteous when he believed the promises of God in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Salvation is by faith alone. But 
for the Jewish people, the covenant people of God, who are the descendants of Abraham, it was going to be required of them that they be circumcised. But again, this is just a symbol of an inward commitment that the people of God have made. Okay, Abraham is a believer. And so the sign of circumcision is a symbol of the fact that Abraham has believed. Okay, but it does not save. You know, some people would say that the act of baptism today uh, is resembles uh, the the sign of circumcision. Um, we wouldn't believe that as uh, as a Baptist church, but uh, we do practice um, baptism. It is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in who we believe. And uh, we're going to be looking at uh, baptism a little bit more next week. We're going to be baptizing some folks next week. So uh, it's Easter Sunday. So if you're interested in being baptized, you've never made a public declaration of your faith in Christ. Again, it doesn't wash away your sin. It's just a testimony of the fact that you already believe. I want to encourage you to do that. And we're also going to have baby dedication as well. All right? And uh, when we dedicate babies, it's not like they're being baptized in the church. We don't believe in that. Um, as infants, that is a that is a decision that uh, people who understand what sin is and that they need Jesus as their Savior, and when they make that, uh, that's when they're saved. But uh, we do we do dedicate parents. Parents are dedicating themselves to the Lord to raise their children in a way that hopefully one day their children will walk with God. So if you want to dedicate. Uh, your child next week, you've never uh, publicly dedicated them, we want to encourage you to do that. So let us know uh, uh, this week at the church office so that we can be ready for that. But uh, getting back to circumcision, you know, it came to the point as the years went by, as the the Jews, the, the, um, the, the, the Israelites were circumcised, that they thought that they were safe, that uh, they were good with God, and that that was all required, and that was never uh, uh, that was never it. Um, again, it was always a reflection. It was to be a reflection of the heart and the decision that the person has already made. Look at Deuteronomy chapter twenty-nine. Deuteronomy chapter twenty-nine. Verses 18 and 19. This is what the people were thinking about baptism or circumcision. Verse 18. Beware lest there be among you a man or a woman or a clan or tribe whose heart is turning away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of those nations. Beware lest there be among you a root bearing poisonous and bitter fruit, one who, when he hears the words of this sworn covenant, 
blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall be safe, though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. This will lead to the sweeping away of the moist and dry alike. Jesus warns people not to believe that they can do whatever they want as long as they're circumcised. No, there are severe consequences uh, as a result. When it comes to uh, the physical act of circumcision, it's always a reflection of what's going on in the hearts. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. 30, verse 6 says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with and that, that you may live. Church, it's impossible to walk before the Lord and be blameless without a circumcised heart. And that happened in Abraham's life long before the circumcision. And the circumcision is merely a picture, an illustration of what has already taken place. Now, what does a circumcised heart look like? Turn to Jeremiah chapter 4. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 4. This is what the circumcised heart looks like spiritually. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Let my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it because of the evil of your deeds. First part, remove the foreskin of your heart. It's the cutting away. It's the cutting away of anything from your heart that keeps us from loving God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. Is your heart circumcised? Have you cut away those things that could otherwise distract you from walking before God blamelessly? There's things that are you are entertaining in your life that is causing harm to your fellowship with God from being able to hear His voice clearly and living in such a way that God might bless not just you, but your descendants, your offspring, your household. There needs to be a cutting away. There needs to be a spiritual circumcision. And guess what? You can't do that by yourself. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. But there needs to be a circumcision of the heart. This is what mattered when it came to um, this 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 right of uh, this. Yeah, this right that uh, 
uh, Abraham and his household is going to go through. And as Abraham and his household are circumcised, the male is circumcised, this is going to be a daily reminder to walk before God blamelessly and with a pure heart. That's not where Abraham was in chapter 16. Abraham was taking matters into his own flesh. He was trying to help God out. What God is saying now to Abraham, Abraham, this body part of yours belongs to me. Live a life of purity. Trust me with what I say I am going to do in your life that you can't do. I'm the God of the impossible and you can trust me. You just live that life of purity and loyalty to the covenant. Romans chapter 2, verse 28 and 29 says this. A person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit and not by the written code. This is what makes a person a believer, a follower of Christ, whom God has allowed to circumcise their heart. It's not by getting baptized. It's not by doing any good work or good thing. It's by faith. Now, and Jews have a hard time believing that. Jews say, well, I'm, I'm a child of Abraham. And I have proof. I've been circumcised. I'm, I am a part of God's family. Not necessarily. Because as we see at the end of this passage, this chapter this morning, guess who's going to be circumcised with Abraham? Ishmael. And Ishmael is not a part of the covenant people. Just because you go through the act of circumcision doesn't make you a follower of God. It's what's going on in the heart. And so God's telling Abraham, you're going to have to go through a very painful and bloody sacrifice of the flesh to remind you that I am God Almighty and I am going to give you the son of promise. And so that's what we see in this this passage of scripture. And um, again, it depends wholly upon the heart and the cutting away of uh, impurity and trusting God. And then we come to uh, verses 15 through 22. 
Genesis chapter 17. So let me read those verses. 15 through 22. And God said to Abram, Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, Nope, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall be the father of 12 princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. So here we see another promise. Okay, and again, notice that the promises uh, are the bookends to the covenant. It's the promises that are important here that these two individuals must believe. Um, That's the big deal of the text. That's what God is going to do. And so in verses 15 through 19, God is speaking to Abraham. You need to notice this. God is speaking to Abraham and not Sarah. And Abraham... I am going to change your wife's name from Sarai to Sarah. Now, the meaning of those two names, Sarai and Sarah, they're similar. They both mean princess. And Sarah is just kind of an updated version of the name Sarah. But this is what I'm going to do with Sarah, Abraham. She is going to become the mother of nations and kings. God doesn't tell this to Sarah. God has the ability to speak to women. We saw last week in Genesis chapter 16 that God, that uh, the angel of the Lord spoke to Hagar in the wilderness. Women of God hear the voice of God, understand the scriptures. But God is speaking through Abraham, who is the head of the household. You know, Abraham, you listen to me. Chapter 16, you listen to your wife. Instead of you being the leader, you became passive and, um, uh, you know, just said whatever, just agreed with your wife, you know, let her lead. But Abraham, you need to let your wife know that I am now changing her name and she is going to be the mother of nations the mother of kings your barren wife Abraham at 90 years old is going to give birth to the son of promise 
that I have made to you. And what's Abraham's reaction? He laughs. Who wouldn't laugh in that situation? And you know, it's a different laugh than we're going to see in chapter uh, 18 next week when Sarah laughs when, when she hears what God's going to do. But in chapter 17 here, uh, Abraham laughs, but he's not reprehended for reprimanded for his laugh. In fact, God kind of plays off that laugh by naming his son Isaac, which means laughter. And so this is going to be a reminder to Abraham. Every time he says the name Isaac, it's going to be a reminder of how he laughed when God told him that he was going to have another son other than Ishmael. So imagine Abraham going home and telling Sarah. Sarah, God spoke to me. My name's Abraham now. Your name is Sarah. Guess what, Sarah? You're going to be a mother of nations. You're going to be a mother of kings. I wonder how she responded to that. And Abraham and all the men in verse 23 are about to be circumcised, but not the women. The women are not circumcised. But for Sarah, even though she doesn't have to go through the act of circumcision, you know what? Sarah's going to have to believe her husband. Sarah is going to have to believe what God told her husband, Abraham. Sarah is going to have to submit to her husband's authority. Humbly accept the fact that what God said is going to come through, come true. Sarah tried to figure it out in chapter 16, and she's suffered the consequences since these last 13 years. But praise God, El Shaddai is not finished with Sarah. And God has a plan for Sarah's life. But here in this passage of Scripture, Abraham's taking the lead again. Abraham is informing Sarah. Uh, we, we see the ordering of the home. God is speaking to the man who is leading his wife. And his wife is submitting to her husband's authority. You know what? That's a spiritual act of circumcision of Sarah's heart. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16 says, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart 
and be no longer stubborn. When Moses is telling the people of Israel this in Deuteronomy chapter chapter 10, getting them prepared to go into uh, the promised land, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. That's for everybody. That's not just for the men. God expects the circumcision of the heart for both the man and the woman. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 25 and 26 says, The house of Israel must be circumcised in heart. Abraham and the household is going to have to go through the painful process uh, physically, but all God's people have to go through the painful process of cutting away spiritually. And for some women, you know, I've had couples in premarital counseling tell me as they're preparing for their wedding ceremony to not talk about submission in the ceremony. I'm sorry, but that is biblical. That is God's order for the household. God, husband, and wife. But for the husband, he doesn't lead as a dictator. The picture of the husband's role is just like the picture of Jesus' love for the church. He laid down his life for the church. He loved his the church sacrificially. And that's our whole role as, a, as husbands, men, to love our spouses sacrificially. And as we love them the way Jesus wants us to love them, it's far easier to, for them to submit to our authority and trust and follow our lead. But that's what we see taking place in Abraham's right house right now. But it's all about the heart. Not the physical ha- act, the heart. Walk before me, El Shaddai says, and live a life of purity and holiness by faith that I may bless you abundantly. God does not require physical circumcision for you and I. But he does require the circumcision of Christ if we're going to be children of God. Colossians chapter 2 verse 11 says, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. The circumcision of the heart is by faith in what Christ has done for us. Acts chapter 16, verse 31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And when we live the circumcised life, 
walk before El Shaddai, before him, blameless, God will bless and have favor upon us. So in verses 23 through 27, we see Abraham's obedience, humble, sacrificial obedience. What is our humble, sacrificial obedience? Galatians 6.15 says, Neither circumcision counts anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. We become new creations when we become children of God. And it is only God who can create that circumcised heart. We must come to Him by faith, believing that Jesus became our ultimate and final circumcision. He went through the bloody, painful process for our salvation so that we don't have to. It's only through Christ that our hearts can be circumcised that we are given new hearts for Him. My challenge to you is live the circumcised life. Walk before Him knowing His will. Not as a toddler, but as a grown adult, a more, more a mature person in Christ who knows the Word of God, knows what God's expectations of our life are, and God is going to bless not just your life, but God promises to bless your descendants. This is an eternal covenant that He has made with you and I and with our father Abraham by faith. Let's pray. Father, that's a lot. Father, help us to trust your promises. You will do these things if we live according to your word and what you would have us to do. God, we can't save ourselves. It's only Christ. By faith in your promises. God, encourage your children. May they know that the sovereign shepherd is watching over them just like a parent with a toddler. Lord, those parents are watching over their toddler. And it's exhausting, but those parents love those toddlers, love their children. God, you are the same way. You love us. And you are standing over us as we walk before you. May we walk before you blameless. 
complete whole. Knowing you as our God Almighty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.